0: Hello, everyone. My name is Patrick LeBlanc, your host. And welcome to Insights Tomorrow, brought to you by Microsoft. Let's deep dive with leaders and innovators in the data space. We're going to explore the challenges, the opportunities that organizations face in their data journeys. In each episode, we will invite some data leaders, experts, and some practitioners who share their unique perspectives on how data transformation is changing their business. Let's explore this data journey together and what it means to you. Hello, Karthik. How are you today? Great meeting you. It's been a long time. I've been waiting for this podcast and I've been looking forward to meeting you. But before we get started, before we get into this, why don't you do a quick introduction
1: to let everyone know who you are? Hey, Patrick. Yeah, it's awesome to be here and it's great to meet you as well. So, hey, folks, my name is Karthik. I lead the analytics and data governance business at Microsoft. I've been at Microsoft now for about 24 years, the last 10 years all entrenched in the world of data, leading data modernization initiatives, both in Microsoft products, as well as within Microsoft IT for our internal data office. Very, very excited to be here today to talk about sort of like data, data modernizations and all things data. Looking forward to this great conversation.
0: I'm excited. So I was reading an article that you posted on LinkedIn about data framing and this conundrum, this conundrum of uh, Do we centralize? Do we decentralize? Do we federate? I'm going to be honest with you. I probably read it three times because there's a lot of nuggets in there. But before we get into talking about this article, I live in data. I swim and dream about data. Can you define what do you mean when you mention data strategy? So just for our, our listeners to understand, you know, what the conundrum is for them to fully understand this. I think they need to understand what the data strategy is.
1: That's a great question. It's a great way to kick it off, in fact. So I think most organizations have kind of like gone through this process of organically evolving their data and their data practices. Like data typically, like over the years for many companies has been like an afterthought in the sense like, hey, applications capture a ton of data. And then people go look at the data, do their business intelligence and reporting to get some insights and at times inform their actions and their investments. The key shift that we've seen happen in the industry now, especially over the last sort of like five ish years, is how data is really starting to shift gears from being on the back end to becoming sort of the the front-facing asset, in many ways, the oxygen of an organization, you know, where the connected insights and intelligence that can be generated from across an enterprise's overall data estate can truly have transformative impact in terms of building and creating innovative applications that truly change the game in terms of how a brand can engage with their customers, can empower their employees and optimize their operations. So for most companies, needing to make this pivot from thinking about data as an asset to support an individual business function to now think about an enterprise-wide context for data and how the opportunities to stitch and connect data from across their entire company in ways that they've never done in the past, and then to apply that connected data to generate intelligence that can fundamentally transform experiences for their customers, employees, and their operations is a big step forward. And trying to think about how to navigate the organizational, the people, the cultural change management, as well as to think about how the technology architecture should support that transformation. It requires a true kind of an outside in look into, like, navigating and sort of, like, thinking through how to navigate that data journey. So that's kind of how I tend to talk about like data strategy and the importance of needing to define it well.
0: Yeah, so I've, I've referred to data as many things. I've referred to it as the new oil, as money, but you just said oxygen. Data is the air we breathe. You heard it first here. Data is the air we breathe. That's amazing. So I create a lot of content. I do. I create videos every week. I create, and most of that, most of that content is inspired by something like a customer or a conversation. Maybe you and I were, you know, somewhere and we were chatting and I was like, oh, that would be a good video. And that would be a great video. What inspired you to write this article?
1: Yeah, what really inspired me to write this article was the journey that I lived through for the last five yeah. years before my immediate current role. where I had the good opportunity to build and bootstrap Microsoft's internal data office. So about five years ago in Microsoft IT, there was a shift to evolved the IT organization to become a digital transformation center of excellence for the company. And the digital transformation initiative was completely based on figuring out how do we apply tech and data and intelligence in unique ways to transform how we engage with our customers, how we empower our employees and run our operations. And we hired a digital officer to come in and help us sort of like shape that journey. And that digital officer soon realized that one of the critical assets to make all this happen is actually data. And he decided to set up a data office, and I had the good opportunity to be one of the founding members of that data office. Wow. And the journey that I then embarked on for the next four to five years, I would say was hands down in my 24 years at Microsoft, the most transformative learning experience for me. Because prior to that, I was just a geeky engineer working on a bunch of products and tech and getting enamored by tech, building products like you, and <laughs> super fascinating journey. <laughs> <training. laughs> But you come in here, you come into like a data office, which has to transform the entire business of Microsoft and bring together departments across the company. And then you come in thinking, it's, oh, this is going to be a great new sort of like technology adventure. (laughs) You're going to go modernize on-prem systems into the cloud. You know, we're going to build like big data systems. And you soon realize that it's anything but. Yes, you've got all of that, but you've got a whole bunch of other challenges around bringing together people across the organization, changing mindsets like driving the cultural alignment around how to think about connected data and man I can tell you one thing it does wh- I've never seen anything I'm not about not sure about you maybe you have seen this as well but I've never seen any topic like literally sort of like bring out the primal instincts in every person as data does right it is like good lord it's like it doesn't matter who you are talking to decision maker like engineer product owner it's like you bring up the topic of data it's like the radars go up, the defenses come out. It's like, this is my data, you know, this is your data, you know, versus thinking about it as like, this is our data, this is the company's asset, right? So it's like, that was kind of my starting point, you know, where I was like, damn, this technology stuff, we can figure this out. That's the easier part. The harder part is how are we going to get people over the fence to think about the connected opportunities, to think about the broader company value, as opposed to looking at it just as sort of like that asset. And as much as you love the passion and the ownership, how can you take that ownership and sort of force multiply to become a, A company-wide sort of like beneficiary sort of like passion you know as opposed to being indexed on a certain area of the company so uh that's kind of what got me all sort of like excited to write that article and it was a great way for me to recollect my journey over the last four five years yeah. So it's funny. You you mentioned the
0: primal instinct, and so when I was reading the article, I was and I wrote a question. I wrote something on my my little question list here. I was like, "You said that data invokes uh, invokes a well intentioned primal instinct," and I think about I think back. So before I joined Microsoft, before I started doing business intelligence, I managed a group of DBAs just. Just an insane amount, like 18, 16 DBAs. And whenever someone would come to us and they would say, oh, we need to build this. And the first thing they would say, we need access to the date. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa <laughs> you can't have access to the data that is not allowed and when i was reading the article i was like but why why does this happen why does the it team or even little silos of people at organizations think they own the data they we don't own the data i'm trying to figure out why why do you think that happens
1: yeah so i think a couple of reasons that have really stirred to me is one is with all of the growing regulatory compliance and security requirements that organizations are supposed to fulfill with heavy fines that they will have to pay if they are not in compliance. There's a heightened sense of, I would say, like rigor, you know, in terms of really being able to protect the data assets and ensure compliant operations. Because the cost of not being compliant will far exceed any benefit or value that you can get out of like applying data. There's a second set of concerns around just like, great, like, are oh, the folks who are asking for the data are actually trained to use the data the way they can and should be using it? And this kind of segues into a very important industry topic today, which I'm sure you've heard, which is referred to as data literacy. A lot of organizations, everyone in the various different companies like to think that everybody gets data, everybody knows data. And we would all love for that to be true. But the reality is, it's very easy to say that we want to be a data-driven organization. It's very hard to be that. And the the education that goes into making sure that all of your people are well-trained and skilled in the data fundamentals in terms of how to apply data and then can be further upskilled into the more advanced applications of data, that's also a cultural journey that an organization needs to take. So in the absence of set skill sets, teams do tend to get a little bit more productive about sort of the right use of their data. And my own learnings have taught me that it's less about sort of like not wanting to share the data. It's more about the concerns around how could the data potentially be used? Will it put the data in sort of like It's where the compliance and the security sort of like requirements get compromised. And then there's an element of just wanting to have visibility into, great, I'm sharing my data, but how are you actually using it? Like, what value are you getting out of it so that I can empower and enable you to use more of that in a responsible manner? So generally, there is a desire to enable, but then there is a lot of fear around the risks of enabling and balancing those two opposing forces to make it more of a constructive sort of like opportunity for the company, I think, is a key element of any data strategy.
0: Yeah, I think that's
1: where all the governance
0: and, you know, all the things would need to come in. We need subject matter experts to say, hey, here's the data. We only we need to label it. We need to tag it. We only need to put it in the hands of these people because they're going to do the right things with it. All those things, right. All those things come come into play. So now that we've made the data Accessible now that people can access the data. Let's talk about this conundrum, this conundrum, uh, because I think that's at the crux of of this article, because when I, I built these massive data warehouses with it's collecting data from 18 different sources and we put it in one place. It takes a weekend to load this data. And it was just a nightmare trying to figure out. Do we centralize this data? Do we decentralize this data? Do we federate this data? You know, how do we get people to agree on that without everybody
1: running off and making their own little data silos? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, that I would say took up a good roughly 12 to 18 months of the five-year journey that I was talking to you about. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to bring people around into the same common model. Of course, we took a very incremental approach. We didn't try to get everybody aligned on day one. But really what it comes down to is the way data investments have evolved in most organizations is there's a lot of passion around the technology that enables data, right? As you've probably seen in many of our customers, sort of like organizations as well, including in Microsoft, it's like every team likes to build data infrastructure, tons and tons of data infrastructure to manage their data. Engineers get a lot of passion and kick from doing that, you know, and in fact, I would say the investments on data infrastructure uh, generally tend to be a lot more than the actual investments on the applied data value creation itself, right? Right. And the reason I say that is because step one to try and get to that common ground with people in an organization is to flip that pyramid and get people to really think about leading with the value creation from data as opposed to just building tech and infrastructure for data. And that needs to be done with a true sort of organizational and corporate citizenship mindset, where you can really take a step back and think about here's what we can collectively do for our organization. If we could collectively come together and figure out the right way to partner and apply data for the business growth perspectives. And that requires a fat amount of mindset shift. It requires a fat amount of change management. And it also requires a fat amount of adaptive leadership You know, in terms of leaders being able to recognize that Helping the organization and the employees understand the importance of that value creation and outcome and creating a common goalpost that everyone needs to anchor towards is step number one. Very often, data journeys and data modernization journeys get kicked off as like, hey, we need to modernize from on-prem to the cloud. You know, we need to go from a data warehouse to a data lake house or whatever the next new thing is, as opposed to like, hey, like, what's the actual value we're trying to gain out of all of this? So the way I approached this was, A, taking the first misstep, of trying to get people aligned on technology investments and in architecture. And I call it a misstep because that usually doesn't work when you start out that way. And especially when you have so many teams that build technology. And instead of taking a step back and realizing that a better common ground to meet people at is on what we all can sort of like really get excited about and head not to, which is how can we come together and create value for our organization. So really approaching the conversation from a value pivot, where you focus on what are those transformative scenarios which need us to integrate and connect and bring data from across multiple teams to achieve those scenarios, and then initially not indexing on who gets to own the data and the data products, but really just focusing on saying, let's pick a great scenario that can really change our business. Let's all collaborate across our teams to bring our data assets together to go make that scenario real. And then as we go through the process and I create over a few more scenarios, it becomes more apparent that there are certain things that can be common, that are certain patterns that do not have to be duplicated. Right. Which then leads to the natural sort of like the, the human gravitation towards recognizing that, hey, we can be more lean, we can be more efficient. Why don't we complement each other's strengths and sort of like build on each other's work as opposed to trying to duplicate everything ourselves? which then naturally leads to a couple of things. A better recognition of where we have duplication and how we can synergize, as well as a better recognition of how can we complement our strengths, you know, so that everyone doesn't have to invest in the same type of like uh, things for the company. So that is the journey that we took. And then eventually we got to a really good place where by navigating that, like, uh, we were truly able to understand that there's no really anything such as centralization, federation or decentralization, because the reality is in a truly responsible organization, especially in these times and economic climate, it is really important to avoid duplication and waste. And at the end of the day, any asset built really well can be built once and repurposed by the entire organization. And an asset being built in an IT organization or being built in a business team doesn't make the asset any less centralized or decentralized. It's built once, it's built to serve the company, and it's built by the team who is best positioned and has the best expertise to build that for the organization. So gravitating it more from the outside and value perspective is the way that we found it to really sort of like be the most effective in terms of rallying together alignments and then leading to the natural sort of outcomes of better investment synergization as well as complementing each other's strengths. Wow. So would you
0: say that it needs to be this solution that you come up with? It needs to be flexible, but that flexibility would add to the scalability of it. Would you
1: agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, I would describe that in very simple layman terms as embracing and getting very comfortable with the notion of progression over perfection. Oh. Like, as engineers and technologists, we often tend to focus a lot on the perfection, but in recognizing that there's a much bigger change that you have to evolve. And the way to evolve the change is by demonstrating the value outcomes, which everyone can energize for. And if you try to be too perfect, you're going to delay getting to the value versus being comfortable with saying like, hey, we might have to take some shortcuts or we might have to sort of like compromise the ideal ideal architecture or decisions to still make progress on the value that everyone can get excited about. And then through the journey, the learnings on how we can get more efficient are going to emerge and become naturally visible. Without theoretical contexts, but with applied reality.
0: So many people always go, you guys do the videos, you do the videos, how do we get started? And one of the first things we always say is, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. You know, you just got to put it out there. People will have their comments, people will criticize it, people will give it compliments, but... Get it out there and start working on it. It's a process. It's an iterative process. It'll get better. You may make more mistakes. It limps along. But in the the end, if you stay consistent, you can produce something really good. All right. So we've overcome the challenges of the conundrum. We figured out if we're going to centralized or decentralized. We're probably going to decentralize, right? It's just going to be this. <laughs> but we've overco- overcome this conundrum. How do we keep the momentum? How do we, how do we keep people you know, with that mindset? We've overcome you know, the challenges where everybody's just saying, I'm going to go build these silos. We're going to work together as an organization. How do we keep that momentum going and you know, keep pushing
1: forward with that, that, what we've come up with? Absolutely. So like one clarification on the centralization and the decentralization, though I will you use yeah, the exact yeah. terms. The way I look yeah. at it is like there's a set of capabilities that you need to sort of like modernize and grow your data opportunities. Like you need infrastructure. You need sort of like you need to think about your business scenarios and let your business scenarios drive your data products. And then you have to scale the applications of your data and your data products and the edge facing sort of like scenarios that power your business. Right. So, uh, if you think about it across those dimensions, each investment ideally you want to build it once for the organization. It could be a data product, it could be a data sort of like application, it could be a piece of data infrastructure. And there are some things that you absolutely want to build in a shared way that can be used across the entire organization, right? Like, for instance, common infrastructure to govern your enterprise data estate. You don't want every team going out there and building out sort of like complex data governance systems. At the same way, you don't want multiple teams going and trying to figure out how to build a connected customer data product which represents the single source of truth for your customer account information. These are all three assets that should be built once and used across the company. right? So it really comes down to identifying who's the right team in each in the organization to build these assets so that others across the organization can benefit and and leverage them. right? So with that as context, the reason I explained that is because Generally, you'll find the data talent and the data sort of people within an organization gravitating to one of these two compartments, right? You're going to have a lot of people who just love building infrastructure and solving the tough problems around data security and data compliance, like yourself and even me, right? And then you're going to have a lot of people, you know, who have a lot of passion for taking the data and applying it for the true domain sort of like scenarios and contexts, right? So in in, a, in some sense, it's like it's data infrastructure folks, and then it's applied data folks, Right. And on both sides, there's no dearth of the amount of innovation that still is yet to happen. Right. So let's take the data infrastructure side of the world, for instance, to truly energize people in that compartment. Hey, it's not just about building infrastructure and putting pipelines in place. It's about fundamentally thinking about how do you take tough problems like the constantly emerging sort of compliance regulations, the constantly emerging cybersecurity threats, you know, the constantly emerging sort of like patterns through which data can be served as well as consumed. And how do you build the most scalable engineering systems to support those needs? What are opportunities to bring in things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, which are commonly associated with edge-facing experiences, but then to bring things like AIML into the core of the platform itself, to get more smarter in terms of how your overall data estate and its compliant and secure management and operations can be scaled. So there's a lot of exciting ways to get even the technologists super excited about how they can really grow their skills and continuing to do what they love doing, which is building great infrastructure, but then doing it by applying broader facets, including applied data like AI and ML, to get really, really world-class at that. On the applied side, there's no dearth of like what you can do in terms of each of the business priorities and scenarios, whether it's customer engagement, whether it's employee experiences, it's making your internal operations better, even tackling new and upcoming sort of like emerging globally sort of relevant priorities like sustainability as an example. Right? And the opportunities to really sort of like apply data and to go from sort of like what classically used to be looking at data as an afterthought for reactive insights versus maturing that model forward into applying data for more predictive, prescriptive sort of like scenarios and opportunities is huge. I mean, if you all pause for a moment and think about it, right? The shift is so pronounced, which is five, 10 years ago, applications generated data <laughs> and data was looked at in reports and dashboards. Today, if you pause and think about it, the insights and the intelligence from data is literally steering the code paths of applications. Yep. Right, the personalized yep. experiences in your customer-facing sort of like apps and services—they are driven by the insights and intelligence manifested through machine learning models and AI services. Vice versa, for any other system you can think about, that fundamental shift is so pronounced when code used to generate data, now code is being driven by data, right? So there's so much excitement in between the folks who are building the infrared to make that happen and the folks who are applying the data to light up those differentiated scenarios. Man, sky's the limit for where we can go with this, right? If people look at it that way, the energy is never going to hit a ceiling.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So, I, I like I said, I read the article a couple of times and... I got to the last section. I was reading the last section. I read the last section. Well, the second to the last because there was a closing. There was a closing. But the second to the last section, it got me really excited because one of the things that we teach on the team that I work on is it's not about getting there, right? We'll get there, but we have to keep going and we need to keep learning and we need to keep growing and we need to keep evolving because technology changes. It just changed, right? It just changed a few minutes ago. And so I was super excited about it. And it was like continuous learning. I forget the exact Title of that section, but continuous learning. It. And for me, that's probably the most critical part of the journey. It's probably the most critical part of the journey. Um, and I've shouted this from the rooftop in just about every engagement I went to. But how or who in the organization fosters this? Who keeps this going? You know?
1: That's a great, that's a great question. So the way we approach it in Microsoft is we do have the notion of a data office, right? A shared data office. But there's a big difference between operating a data office as a center of excellence versus operating a data office as a champion of enablement. It's the same three-letter acronym, COE, but two very different explanations, right? Traditionally, most companies get started by setting up the data office as a center of excellence. Hey, this is the office where everything gets done. You have a data requirement, come to the office, they'll implement it, right? And, And they're going to lock down data and everything is going to be like sort of done by this one center of excellence, And that's not the way in which we can scale in this day and age. I mean, data is, as I said earlier, the oxygen. It's got to flow freely. Like, every team needs to be able to consume it and grow with it. And to do that, the mindset of this common team, while being the data experts, has to evolve to becoming more enablers. And that's why the champion of enablement sort of notion kicks in. So having a data office that can truly sort of like shift from needing to do everything themselves to instead focusing on how to teach teams and organizations to fish with data, and also how to instate the fundamentals and the key sort of like data literacy programs and the ongoing sort of upskilling programs to keep the organization's overall sort of like data talent and data skills at the cutting edge is a great way to think about the emerging or the evolving role of a data office type establishment. So Microsoft, for instance, our data office is not focused on doing it for everyone. It's focused on providing the common foundations, like a governance platform as an example, an analytical sort of enterprise data lake as an example, but also Fostering and championing what are common programs, which are really focused on training and upskilling talent across the company in the applications of data. This includes programs for data governance practices. It includes programs for data literacy, which is both at the grains of like data culture-related topics, as well as down to specific crafts like data science and data analytics and data engineering. And really with the primary intent of helping train people across the teams, across the organizations, to build, mature their data capabilities and then to become more and more self-sufficient and proficient in being able to serve their own data needs. So by having an office like that, you know, where the focus is not on doing it on everybody's behalf, but it's really on staying on the cutting edge of what's happening in the space and then bringing that learning with the focus of permeating that learning into the edges and enabling everyone to develop and upskill and apply data to the richest, I think you can really establish that continuous sort of learning and virtuous cycle. where it's still done in a responsible manner, but it's also done in a way that's federated for, for the agility of the company.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. It's all, it's all exciting. I, I'm telling you, I shared that article with a couple of people. It's like, you got to go read this, especially people on our team, because we talk about, you know, COEs, we talk about data literacy. These, I mean, th- this is what we talk about. And so I'm, I want to wrap this up. I want to ask one really important question, because we I'm often brought into a project and everybody's like, well, how do we, you know, how do we get this started? How do we get this going? And the first thing I tell them, you need a sponsor. You need a sponsor. You need someone from the business or leadership to ensure that this thing is going to move along, but they will also help drive the success. How important do you think that is in this whole process?
1: It is critically important to have sort of, I would say, sponsors, and I would initiate more so like business sponsors, because a lot of the transformative technology data investments are really about sort of like changing something fundamentally in the business, whether it's operations, the products or, or customer employee experiences, is a more fundamentally transforming status quo. And this requires a very strong sort of like, I would say, advocate and evangelist for what that value outcome you're trying to accrue towards this. With the sort of like accountability to help steer, you know, a set of like folks who need to work together to make that happen. And what I found to be really pronounced in my journey was rather than seeking and trying to find the, the technical sort of like like sponsors, finding the business sponsors who had the true need for those transformative outcomes, who were held accountable for those transformative outcomes, and who needed what we were trying to build was the shift that really helped us accelerate the momentum. So for instance, when I first started, the starting point for me, even with my business partners, was 40, 40, 20. 40% of the teams were like ready to go. We need to get started. We got to do something different with data. And these were teams who really had requirements to connect data from across the company for whom their current state of just operating within their data silos was very clearly not going to take them to where they needed to go. Then the other 40% were like on the fence. They were like, oh, like, uh, go get started, prove something, and then if it works, I'll jump. And the last 20% was like, just leave, leave me alone. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm pretty self-sufficient with my data. If I ever have broader requirements, I'll come to you. But right now, I, I don't want it, right? So getting started with that first 40%, zeroing in on like a couple of very key business stakeholders who had genuine requirements for broad, sort of connected enterprise data, working with them to understand their scenarios, and then iterating on those scenarios to build up the data foundations to make them happen, then led us to a place where not only did we deliver value, but we were also able to create some base assets, which started attracting like a magnet, like other teams from across the company to come in and want to use that asset for their applications. Right. So this process of recruiting the right applied business sponsor, using scenarios to drive your sort of your innovation. And then while you're driving the innovation, being conscious about patterns that you can sort of like commonalize and make more broadly accessible to more future use cases. And then using the business sponsor to go evangelize the, the, the goodness of a strategy and the implementation of the strategy on your behalf will then draw in broader stakeholders, broader teams to come in, at least want to explore. And then once they see what they like, then the, 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 the velocity is going to pick up. So that's kind of the journey that we took, you know, and uh, we kind of speak to it in an acronym format as a cup of data at a time. So cup, the C-U-P stands for, hey, have a great set of scenarios, take a scenario, first go through the cup. The cup is identify the data estate you need for that scenario, conform it, unify it, productize it. And productize it means that you're not just solving the scenario like a project, but you're truly taking the data for that project and converting it into a product that can be used more broadly. That's the cup. And then the cup of data. The data acronym stands for you democratize, you apply, you transform, and you amplify. So if you productize your data, the first thing you do is you democratize the product so that more teams can get access to it and start self-serving use cases. The use cases are the applications. The application should ideally drive transformative outcomes. And then you're going to get a ton of learnings that you can then amplify for the next spin of the wheel. So approaching your data strategy a cup of data at a time is a great way to think about it. So I got two things that I'm going to use in my next presentation. Stay days,
0: the new oxygen and a cup of data. Thank you so much. This is this has been great. I learned I've learned so many little tidbits here <laughs> in this uh, in our, our short time together. But thank you so much okay. for coming to hang out. It was a pleasure meeting you. Great, Thank you so much, Patrick, for having me. Be sure to read the article on Karthik's profile on LinkedIn. And we will also have a link to the article in the description of this podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Insights Tomorrow. Be sure to catch us next time as we continue the journey to uncover the challenges and the possibilities that organizations face every day. You can find more about the show and catch future episodes at InsightsTomorrow.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.